When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Recycle by Eurosport, a retrospective series on the most compelling, the most controversial and the most extraordinary riders and races in cycling history. Written by Felix Lowe and narrated by me, Graham Wilgos. Last time out, we looked back on the stories of race fixing, saddle sores and kidnapping that surrounded the first South American to win a Grand Tour, Colombia's Luis Lucho Herrera and his 1987 Vuelta España title. This time, we're rolling with the first rider to win all of cycling's Grand Tours, France's Jacques Onquetil and the 1963 Vuelta victory from the man considered the best time trialist of his generation. Chris Froome's victory in the 2017 Vuelta España saw the Briton become only the third rider to win both the Tour de France and Vuelta in the same season. It was a feat that had not been done since 1978, when Bernard Eno did the double. Prior to that, it was the great Jacques Onquetil who achieved the unprecedented feat back in 1963. Onquetil, the first rider to win the Tour five times, adding the Giro d'Italia twice and the Vuelta once, is often considered the most perfect pedalling machine in cycling history. In fact, here was a rider so calculating in his movement that he was once described as pedalling like an insurance agent. The blueprint of Onkatil's success often lay in containing his rivals in the mountains before smashing them in the time trials, a tactic emulated 40 years later by Miguel Indurain, himself the latest official five-time tour winner. Indeed, Onkatil's trademark flat-back pointed toes TT position would be emulated by generations of cyclists. Such was 19-year-old Onkatil's prowess against the clock that, during a time trial in Rouen in 1953, the pioneering radio reporter Alex Vero had questioned on-air whether kilometres in the capital of Normandy were in fact only 900 metres long. The rider's biographer, Paul Fornell, says that Onkatil, nicknamed Monsieur Chrono, was tailor-made for time trialling. He had a monstrous engine hidden in a thin body. His power-to-weight ratio was ideal. Long before the invention of the wind tunnel, he had found the perfect aerodynamic position. Last but not least, he knew how to suffer more than anyone else. According to Fornell, Cyril Guimard, the legendary French director sportif, whose riding career briefly overlapped with that of Onkatil's, said, For a long while, I thought of him as a sorcerer who has found the great secret. 
Besides delivering him multiple Grand Tours, this TT prowess saw Onkatil win the Grand Prix de Nations, considered the World Championships of time trialling, a staggering nine times from 1953. But he wasn't just voracious for victories. Onkatil was hungry in every domain, whether for food or for women. Famous for filling his bidons with perno and champagne, he once admitted, I tried to drink water once, but it made me sick. Onkatil was a notorious gourmand whose favourite platters included peppered steak tartare, sweetbreads in a cream spinach sauce, and langoustine with slathers of mayonnaise. While he stopped short of eating goose liver pâté on race days, he was known to provoke journalists by smoking small cigars before stages. This was a man who, after all, once said, to prepare for a race, there is nothing better than a good pheasant, some champagne, and a woman. When it came to women, Onkatil had an unconventional outlook. He had an affair and a child with his stepdaughter, with the consent of her mother, the woman who was also his wife. He followed that by having a love child with the wife of his stepson, the man who was his wife's second child. In spite of his convivial family setup and being the patron of his sport, Onkatil was very much an island, typified by his being strongest when riding on his own against the clock. Onkatil the Enigma is reflected in the title of Paul Fornell's biography, Onkatil Alone, the prologue of which captures the Frenchman's grace on a bike to a T. The way he pedalled was a lie, writes Fornell. It spoke of ease and grace, like a bird taking off or a dancer in a sport of lumberjacks, riders who crushed the pedals, gluttons for hard work, masculinity in all shapes and sizes. Onkatil pedalled blonde with supple ankles. He pedalled on points, back bent, arms at right angles, head straining forwards. Onkatil was synonymous with his sport and with a God-given gift for turning the pedals. Fornell imagines him thinking, I don't love the bike. The bike loves me. It will pay the price. No man was ever better suited than him to riding a bike. Never was the harnessing of man and machine so harmonious, says Fornell. He was made to be seen alone on the road, silhouetted against the blue sky. Nothing about him suggested the peloton, the crowd and the strength of being united. He was cycling beauty out on its own. This icy, calculated, almost emotionless brilliance set Onkatil apart from the more popular riders of his generation, most notably compatriot Raymond Polydor, whom French fans took to far more easily despite, or even perhaps because of, his tendency to finish runner-up in the Tour after being outsmarted by the robotic Onkatil. Having won his first two tours in 1957 and 1961, either side of his maiden Giro scout that same year, Onkatil had intended to do the Tour of Vuelta double in 1962, but he pulled out of the Vuelta two days from the end of the race with his German teammate at San Rafael, Rudi Altag, in the lead. Some reported that he had been struck by illness, while others suggested he was frustrated at not being able to beat Altag. The straw that broke the camel's back was stage 15, the 82-kilometer time trial from Bayonne to San Sebastian, which saw Altag take the lead after the German won by a single second ahead of Onkatil, who subsequently quit the race. This was at a time when the Vuelta was a two-week race which ran earlier in the season, late April through to May, well before the shift to August into September in 1995. Still, despite his Spanish setback, Onkatil won his third tour in July 1963. That season had started well. 
Anquetil winning Paris-Nice ahead of Altag, making it all the sweeter, and the Criterium Nationale de la Route, before heading to Spain as the big favourite for the Vuelta, which started on the 1st of May at Gijon. Anquetil didn't win the inaugural 45km stage 1A from Gijon to Mieres on the opening morning, but he was in the race lead by the end of the day after victory in the 52km time trial in the opposite direction. His nearest challenger finished 2 minutes and 40 seconds down as Onkatiel established a large lead in the general classification, which he would not lose over the following fortnight. Perhaps in a bid to attract Onkatiel back after his 1962 walkout, the route was not particularly mountainous and, at 2,442 kilometres in length, it remains the shortest ever Vuelta. All this played into the Frenchman's hands. And with the world champion and 1958 Vuelta winner Jean Stablinski as road captain, supported by stage winners Baz Malipard, Guy Ignolin and Seamus Elliott, Onkatil's Saint Raphael team was clearly the strongest. The only worry for Onkatil came midway through the race when he was struck down by food poisoning, which took the wind from his sails. Indeed, it was probably responsible for the biggest surprise of the race when Onkatil was beaten in the second time trial, a 52km ride from Sitges to Tarragona a stage won by the Spaniard Miguel Pacheco, whose margin of triumph was 26 seconds. In fact, Onkatil did not win another stage after his opening day win. His lead, the strength of his team and his consistency was enough to see him crowned winner in Madrid by 3 minutes and 6 seconds over Spaniard José Martín Colmenarejo and 3 minutes and 32 seconds over Pacheco. Dutchman Malipard was 4th and won the points classification, with Stablinski 9th as Saint Raphael eased to victory in the team classification. And thus, with little fanfare, Onkatil became the first big-name rider to win the Vuelta in the 18th edition of the race. He also became the first man in history to have won all three of cycling's Grand Tours. It was huge because it was the first half of the first Vuelta Tour double in the same year, says Fornell. It was huge because of the disappointment of 1962. It was huge because Onkatil's team was just fantastic. It was huge because Pacheco had defeated Onkatil in the time trial, but it was not so huge because it was as boring as the 1961 Tour de France. What had clearly made the difference was Onkatil's team, who acted as a wall obstructing the obvious truth, that the Frenchman was far from his best. In this respect, the victory was not as easy as it looked on paper, according to Fornell, who says, The team was perfect. Thank you, Mr. Stablinski, world champion and devoted Gregario. But the boss was not exactly at his best, hiding his weaknesses, as usual, by looking ultra-dominant in order to deter any strong challenges. The reality is that he struggled in the mountains and even on the time trial. But a win, as they say, is a win. So, what happened next? Five weeks after the Vuelta, Onkatil rocked up at the Tour as favourite, having kept his hand in with victory in June's Criterium du Dauphiné. The Tour organisers had reduced the two time trials to 25km and 54km in the 1963 route, which was designed to favour the climbers and challenge the Onkatil hegemony. In response, Onkatil delivered a climbing masterclass, winning stages in both the Pyrenees and the Alps in between victories in both time trials. You see, it was always something of a fallacy that Onkatil couldn't climb. Sure, he was no Bahamontes when the road went uphill, but his reliance of establishing big leads against the clock and then taking it easy in the mountains was a careful calculation. 
Onkatil was a rider who saw no point in racing harder than was necessary to win. By the time the Tour arrived in Paris, Onkatil was 3 minutes and 35 seconds ahead of Bahamontes, and the first Vuelta Tour double was in the bag. Weeks later, he was named France's champion of champions by L'Equipe, despite finishing behind Stablinski and Ignolin in the national championships. During the 1964 tour, a fortune teller predicted that Onkatil would die on or around the 13th day of the race. This rocked Onkatil, who refused to leave his room on the rest day in Andorra, day 13, until a barbecue was laid on by one of the sponsors. Here, Onkatil allegedly partied heavily and ate so much grilled lamb that he was taken ill. The next day, on the stage to Toulouse, he was dropped on the first hairpins of the Port d'Embalira climb and told his director sportif he thought he was going to die. At the summit, his DS allegedly gave him a make-or-break bidon of champagne in a bid to clear his indigestion. It worked. Onkatil caught up with his principal rival, Polydor, and stayed on course for a record fifth win. His victory in Paris, after four stage scalps along the way, made Onkatil the first rider to win the Tour on five occasions. Now that surely calls for a glass of champagne all round. This has been another episode of Recycle by Eurosport, written by Felix Lowe, narrated by me, Graham Wilgos, and produced by Pete Burton. You can read more from Felix on Twitter at Saddleblaze, and you can hear more from me at Graham Wilgos. You can follow Eurosport at Eurosport underscore UK, plus you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Join us for our next episode when we'll be looking back on the career of Belgium's Gustave Delors, the first winner of the Vuelta España in 1935, whose career was cut short by the Second World War and who, in his life after cycling, played an integral part in putting man on the moon. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe, share and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.